Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Hey, yo, folks. It's Conzie with the most. We are back. Our second episode of 2019. How about them apples? In a short time frame, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and in a short time frame. We are rolling with gas and all sorts of things that are explosive. But that's, of course, because this show is going to be dynamite. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, so yes, I'm here with the, my co-host, the one, the only, the Stark, the raving, the mad one himself. How's it going, Brian? Yo, yo, yo. Pretty good. All right, so let's go ahead and, and just kind of cover what we're going to talk about today. On today's show, we're going to just have a little catch-up. We're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on for our, our Batman Miniatures Gaming. The main topic of the show, though, is we're going to focus on some things with what new players getting into the hobby need to know we've actually got a top three countdown first time ever we've done any kind of countdown on this show ever in the course of i don't know however many years four or five or six uh but something we're gonna do this time is a countdown for top three things uh both of us have our lists and we'll go over them and then we're gonna talk about the song of ice and fire miniatures game just kind of give some initial thoughts on the game as i picked it up uh, at adepticon this year through my vig and then decided to buy some more stuff and then uh, we'll just uh, peace out and talk to you guys later. Um, so that'll wrap up the whole list of things to do. So let's get going on catch-up. What's been going on? Not too much. I was trying to remember where my hobby was at from our last show. Um, I do have, like, my full bat box built, and plus a couple of the Ra's al Ghul box. I didn't quite finish the two ninjas with him yet. Got those guys on the table Last week, or was it two weeks ago now already, I think? I think it might have been Sunday. two weeks ago, actually. I think so. So, got them on the table for the first time at Noble Knight against you, actually. Yeah. had a pretty good showing. Avenged our last game where you played that arrow crew you had going. <laughs> this is, I think that was my fourth time playing against League, and every time I've played against League in the Batman Managers game, they are extremely lethal. They don't waste time with doing stun damage. It's just straight to killing. Yep. Like, you have to try to do stun. Like, everybody just does blood. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you have to. Like, oh, I'm going to punch you with my yeah. fists because that's a less effective attack. Yeah, I was kind of by, shocked by that. Like, I've been playing Brave and the Bold mostly. I think only a couple times did I play, like, maybe a Joker crew here and there. So that was quite a difference, was just all the mass murder going on around. <laughs> no, <laughs> but they have no qualms against mass cool. murder. So it was a good showing out of the box. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing them some more and getting more comfortable with the crew and maybe changing them up with some of the Roz figures. And I also have the, I pre-ordered the new starter set, the Dark Knight starter set from for Batman, so I'm kind of excited to get that stuff. And yeah, we'll talk about that in a, in a second. What's included with the yep. the starter and the the new uh, movie stuff they're putting out, but yeah, uh, yeah very cool sets. stuff. Um, but I think that's all I've really done hobby wise. I actually picked up my hobby room a little bit. <laughs> like it's another odd thing. <laughs> it was kind of a disaster recently, and I think I definitely have to look at organizing some of my figures again. Like kind of just have piles everywhere again so i think i have to do something shelving them up or bidding them up a little bit better so have to do some thinking about that coming up yeah that's definitely something i'm struggling with mm. as well um, i've got some ideas and what we're going to do for some storage and maybe uh as i actually make some progress maybe i'll put up some blog articles or, or mm -hmm. content about that because i think that's something that people struggle with yeah all a little the bit. time like, yeah, I mean, I haven't put a lot of thought to it yet, but 
it's just a matter of whether do I huck them in a bin or do I try and get a bunch of shelf space for all this stuff. I mean, I don't have that much painted stuff anyway, but it's still kind of cool to have them sitting out and around in your hobby room. But yeah, yeah, that definitely like it. It definitely is inspiring. Like in my hobby room to have all of the Batman stuff. Yeah, and the Marvel Universe stuff that's painted sitting out, and then I just recently get uh, kind of segue in back into the what have I been doing? I so I've got on uh, May fourth, I've got a demo at Noble Knight Games mm-hmm. here uh, in well, it's Fitchburg, but it's Madison, Wisconsin. They're having a big castle reveal day, so they're the front of their storefront, uh, which was supposed to be last fall, but delays in building is going to be uh, a big castle and it's may 4th anyway so they're gonna have a castle reveal day to reveal the new storefront and then they're also so there's a bunch of specials and discounts so please come on out to noble night and and check it out if you're in the madison or wisconsin area but i'm going to be running uh, uh star wars legion demos at uh at it for may the 4th be with you <laughs> uh so uh, really cool, but I didn't have. I've only got the rebel side of the uh, the starter box plus a stormtrooper painted up, basically <laughs> prior to Adepticon. So I've been really focused on trying to get the rest of the starter box done and to a state where I can it can be played with. And actually, I think the the imperial stuff has turned out very nicely. Yeah, I saw them on Facebook. I guess I haven't seen them in person yet, but I don't know. They looked really sharp compared to a lot of the kind of quicker painted ones I've seen with just like a dry brush or such. Like I really liked how you did the white and it seems like you're doing them pretty quick too. So. Yeah, I, well, the the first stormtrooper I did took, I don't know, I probably burned four, four and a half, five hours on it and I wasn't still super happy with it and I was just like, oh, this is mind-numbingly painful to paint and so after I'd let that sit and stew in my brain for a while and watched a little video content uh, like other people's how-tos, uh, finally sat down and went at it again. And I think I found a, a method that's it's still time-consuming and a little bit painful, but it generally turns out a pretty decent-looking result without having to like go ridiculous. And I think part of that's because white is such a complex color to paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly a glossy white like that that's kind of almost a, it's a very unnatural white very glossy very high sheen type armor to get it right so i've I've worked with I, I had fiddled with it and worked with it quite a bit and i think i've got like i said i think i got a recipe that works and you can see pictures of all of those models up on the whisker dice facebook page our facebook group i've been putting them up all there as well as a couple of the other star wars man star wars things and up on my twitter feed as well if you go back through my twitter feed so you can go back and see those i'm really happy super happy the way my vader turned out like yeah your vader was cool that model intimidated me when i opened the box and it wasn't that it's it's that amazingly of a sculpt or anything like it. it's a decent sculpt uh but the the plastic the fantasy flight uses isn't necessarily the best it's kind of more of a board game quality plastic so so you mean the but that model because it's such an iconic figure and such you know when you think of vader everybody's got like this mental image of him so you getting him to look right when you put him on the on the pan when you paint him up and put him on the table was very important for me so i actually before i painted that i actually went to there's a, a sarastro uh who is very well known in the legion and imperial assault and and a couple of other games where he's done some painting tutorials like start to finish these are the colors and i didn't use the colors that he recommends because i'm a a reaper paints guy but i did use the a general 
like how he approached it, how he did the lighting from the lightsaber, the uh, all of the the different kind of shades and tones, and and paid attention to that and and adopted that to my model, and I think it really did help it turn out very sharp. Yeah, those Imperial figures are kind of weird. Where, I mean, Vader's all black essentially, and the stormtroopers are just all white. It's kind of a weird scheme you don't usually do is just painting one color on like whatever 99 percent of the model yeah <laughs> it's kind of crazy it's still trying to find a way to make that look and pop at that three to four foot range mm-hmm. so that people can say look at it when you're looking at it and playing a game go oh that's definitely a stormtrooper oh that's definitely vader oh hey this looks like star wars so yeah that was that was a challenge but i think it turned i think everything's turned out well i think um i the only thing I have left to really have two stormtroopers left to get ready, which I'm not going to use in actual games. I just want them sitting there ready for because they come in the starter box so people can see like, hey, mm. this does come in the two-player starter set. And then I want to go back with my Luke Skywalker and actually replace this lightsaber because I have the original plastic lightsaber, which after a year of like being carried around and hauled to the game store and left in my car where it was a little warm, it has... It's no longer a lightsaber. It's more like a light sickle. <laughs> so it's 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 now a very curved sword. It's very limp. It's uh not <laughs> not going to be killing anybody anytime soon. And and compared to like Vader, it's uh, it's it definitely looks makes the rebels look less attractive. So I want to go back and just quick snap cut that off and replace it with brass brass rod and paint it paint it up real quick. But that shouldn't take long. Um, I, I figure I need probably a couple hours maybe to get that done and, mm-hmm. and that should be, uh, good to go. So that's kind of where I've been at hobby. I haven't, I haven't really gotten a whole lot of anything else done. I mean, I'm fiddling away at Batman models, so I'm actually working on a Riddler crew that I'm going to get the bat box painted up for. Yep. Um, but nothing, nothing too dramatic on the, on the other fronts. So let's touch touch on Batman gaming. So yes, we did play a game. We already kind of ha- highlighted that game um, back from Thursday, uh, a couple weeks Thursday back at Noble Night, which was yep. really fun. Um, it's good to see that there are monthly nights. Uh, it's the third Thursday every month at Noble Night Games. Please come on down, play Batman. If you're looking f- to get into this game and you are are new to it, you don't have models message us or put up uh, on the noble knights game space area or message us directly and let let us know and we'll make sure that we get you a demo or we'll bring an extra crew and have you play along with one of us we're really excited about getting this uh game going and getting a, a nice regular game group in the madison area so that's definitely something we're we're very excited about and we want to help keep that growing because if it keeps growing we can do other other stuff with the game other events other special stuff like tournaments really grow the hobby and community around this game on top of that let's talk a little bit about the biggest news and i touched on it on the last episode because it was there were rumors prior to the last episode when we recorded but now all of that stuff is out and i know we both pre-ordered it um i probably went in a little (laughs) more nutso than you did uh, but Brian, why don't you talk about what you pre-ordered, and then uh, I'll touch base on the, and I'll, t- I'll chime in on the other parts, the of other that sets stuff. Yeah. All right, yeah, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I put in the pre-order for the new starter set. Um, it's based on the Dark Knight movie. Uh, it comes with like a Brave and the Bold Law Force, and then 
Um, I guess they're technically the League of Assassins still. I mean, it's like a Bane crew. It is Bane. I think that's Bane. Uh, most of it actually does Bane and League. I they think both other than both. Talia. I think Talia is League only. Oh, yeah. Is Bane like a sidekick to her then, maybe or something? I don't I know. Think, I, think I guess we'll find out yeah, when we actually sure. get our look hands at the on cards. it. But yeah, I haven't really looked into much of it yet. Other people have the sets already because like, they were selling them. At, I can't remember the name of that show. It was a in, UK show. Yeah, a I don't UK remember one. the name of it off the top of my head either. It. But they were selling them there already, the kind of the same time they came on pre-order. Yep. I um, actually got a notification. Mine shipped last week, I think. So hopefully oh, we'll cool. have it pretty quick. I, I definitely haven't got that notification yet. Yeah, so. I might be waiting on some of your other sets <laughs> or something. Well, and I think I ordered about a week later than you did, too. Oh, so. you did? Okay. Yeah, I jumped in it pretty quick. Like, um, I guess I'm trying to remember what the what's all in the box. I mean, you get a couple buildings again, a bunch of tokens and the cards and everything, and then the crews. I think there's like three officers, and then Batman and Catwoman, and then you get like a tumbler that can either be for whatever the mercenary force or the Batman force, and then whatever's Batpod, I guess, is yep. the motorcycle, and then. Either Catwoman or Batman can ride that. Yeah, you get models also. for models for for riders for both Selena Kyle yep. and and Christian Bale Batman on that particular Batpod. Yep. And then as we were talking about like the mercenaries, I think well, there's Bane and Talia, as we said from the movie, um, that those versions. And then I think he also comes with three mercenaries. He does. And they're all three are actually, if you look in the movie, I think they're all from movie characters. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of. It'd be cool to watch it again and actually look for I, those models i think but. the cops are as well but don't quote me on that maybe i think they like, might have had to stretch the gear or the equipment options for yeah them. just to give them some variability so and then what actually enticed i was happy to wait until you know like i could get it from the local store or something like that but then night models was thrown in um like a i don't know whatever a special pre-order offer like there's an alfred model that comes it seemed like that was coming with any of the starters or it's, any pre-order sounds like remember. the alfred is coming with the two-player starter set okay. even though it's not pictured on the outside of the box it's just so a i bonus don't know model if it's just like this print run or what it is the deal with alfred mm -hmm. uh but the bonus special model is a alternate sculpt bane yep basically a lot of people have complained about the coat that Bane is wearing, so guess what? If you pre-order <laughs> now, you can get the alternate sculpt that doesn't have the coat on. Yep. It's basically the exact same pose. It's just no coat. Yeah, because that's not like, I mean, no new card or anything. It's just no. an alternate sculpt. So. Yep, exactly the same stats, which is really cool because that means later on down the road, you're not uh, out of luck because you didn't buy the, the pre-order special mm -hmm. first print of this game, which... I gotta imagine, like a lot of things that Knight does, first print, you'll be able to probably get this alternate sculpt for the next six months to a year, relatively easily. Yeah. Because uh, my understanding is this same first. This is just basically it's included with the first print run. They're saying it's a a a starter you'd order direct and i think that's just trying to get people to order which we both suckered into <laughs> uh direct with them but uh my understanding talking to a couple of people in the community is that this is actually intended to be part of the first print run so any any stores that get model or get these starter sets off the first print run as well when you go buy it at your LGS, we'll probably have it. So I imagine, like, if you're U.S.-based and you don't have a great store like Noble Knight Games to go buy your Batman miniatures from, you can go to uh, uh, Miniature Market is probably the best uh, uh, online store uh, outside. Although Noble Knight, you can order from online as well. Although I'm not sure if they'll have... 
Um, they don't order quite as frequently. Like Miniature Market gets things as soon as they basically come out and are available in the U.S. Noble Knight, the way they do it is a little different, so they're not necessarily as quick to get all the new releases because the way you have to order from Knight Models and they just don't have enough volume yet. But if you keep people people buy more stuff from them, we get a group going playing locally and buying stuff and whatnot. Maybe they start seeing enough volume to order a little more frequently than I think they uh, she told me the other day they order every three months oh okay what stock they have is what they have and then every three months if people have special orders or whatever or then they order in all the new stuff that's come out in that last three months cool yeah I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that set and like I said I haven't really looked at any of the cards or anything but that's I was kind of looking at it as a good way to get into uh second uh crew having a brave and the bold slash law crew so i think that starter and then picking up the gordon box i'll have a pretty good set i feel like yeah for a law force slash well, brave and the bold force so. all that stuff crosses over to your to the yeah. bane stuff all crosses over to your existing league of assassins stuff mm-hmm. uh very nicely and and while it definitely doesn't match the same aesthetics it gives you some different gameplay options yep the other thing is then, well, not just your second crew. You ha- even it's a great gateway into a Bane crew. Yep. Because you really, <laughs> you at this point you just buy a prisoners pack, and you could probably have a Bane crew, Brave and the Bold crew, and, and a League, a league of Ass- and then you're like your main <laughs> crew is League of Assassins. And, and Brian, you just bought your first crew what? Like a month. A ago month ago. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little more than that. So, but yeah, I kind of forgot the prisoner box would pair really well and be very thematic with the whatever the bane half of the crew from that box too so the the bane starter is really good with them too because they're they're all they're very similar looking mercenaries so if you bought like the the actual bane starter or you bought the bane bat box it would go pair very well with with the stuff that comes with this bane i think you're gonna find that this bane this version of bane is better to be a leader in your crew than the um bat box bane but the Bad Box Bane is, like, super awesome. It's an iconic Titan Bane. Yeah, the regular big hulking Bane rather than the movie one. So that's basically the the two-player starter. Then there were two other or three other boxes that came out, and I got them all. I ordered everything. So they, they had a nice bundle. I was I was going through the web cart, and I put everything in, every, all the new stuff into my web cart, and I'm like, oh, Lord, that's a lot of money. And then I went, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> They have this all in a bundle that I can just get all the new stuff in one bundle, and it saved me about 50 bucks. which when you chuck in, like, what you have to pay to get it shipped from Spain to the U.S., like, saving 50 bucks was a pretty big deal. And so the, the, first, the first thing we'll just touch on is they do actually pair up the Tumblr and Batpod as its own two-pack box, which yep. is really cool. Does that come with the riders still? Then um, I, I don't, don't think remember. it comes. I actually don't think it comes with the riders. It's just the hmm. pod and the car. I see. Which is for me getting the two-player starter means that I can have a model with Selena Kyle and I can have a model with Christian Bale, and I don't hmm. have to worry about gluing them back and forth. I can just have them built, and we're good to go. T- having a second tumbler also means that I can paint one in a Bane scheme to go with you know the Bane stuff from the movie stuff because. Yep. The entire two-player starter is a 350-point crew if you include, like, the the tumbler with the Bane crew or you include the, uh, at least that's what I think it works out to be anyways. And if you, or, and if you include the Bat Pod uh, in the Batman crew, I think they work out to be 350-rep crews. That Not that I think I would play those competitively like that, but at least you'd have, like, you just buy the two-player starter and you can probably go to the game store and actually 
play full-size games. The next starter box, or the next pack that came out that was very exciting, and this is completely brand new, is Two-Face. So they did a... Slash White Knight. Yep, Slash White Knight. So it's basically <laughs> both versions of Harvey Dent, uh, both as Two-Face and as Harvey Dent, uh, from uh, the Dark Knight Rises film. Is it Dark Knight Rises? No, it's... No, Dark Knight Rises Dark. is the third film. Yep. It's just the Dark Knight is the second film, yep. isn't it? So it's the one with Heath Ledger Joker. So that two players there. So that's it's not a starter. It's just that one. It's basically Harvey Dent in both his different forms, and you can choose to take him in, in either form. And he and he allies, I think, as white as the White Knight version, the traditional Harvey Dent before he becomes Two Faced. That is strictly a Brave and the Bold option. I think so. And then the. Harvey Dent, once he turns into Two Face, I believe is actually a Joker option. I don't think yeah, he's I think it's actually just Joker. Yeah, I don't think he's organized crime at all. Which the normal Two Face stuff is all organized crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. It gives Joker Cruz something extra to run with, and that pairs really nicely with the other, the final release that they had in this. And this is the one I think a lot of people are going to be super excited about it's because cool. they, it was yeah, oh yeah, it's very cool <laughs> and it's. And it's one of the things that I think a lot of people that are on the outside of this game pick up as models. Like, I know people that have picked them up, and they pick up the, like, the Christian Bale Batman mm-hmm. uh, that was the old metal model, and then they picked up the Heath Ledger Joker because of the iconic look and feel in that film was, like, you know, one of the one of the Batman films that feels so utterly Batman and the performance and, you know, obviously Heath Ledger's death afterwards and whatnot makes... Makes owning that a lot really it hits a lot of personal feelings for people, and so they came out with a Heath Ledger, uh, mod, new model. It's a new sculpt. Um, sli- it's, he's armed slightly differently. Does he just have like a pistol down? I think or it's something? just a pistol, like an automatic it's, pistol it's, or something. Maybe it's nearly the same sculpt as before, but yeah. instead of the, I think it's like, just a different weapon. Mostly. Yeah, it's just a slightly different gun, which is actually probably makes him a little less powerful. I think he's almost the same rep. He's like almost the same rules as before. But then you're also getting a series of thugs that come with him that are from that opening sequence uh, with the bank robbery, and then they they, then they they start killing each other at the beginning of the film, yep. and then take off on the school bus. It's those guys. Mm-hmm. The clown so crew. Three or four of them, I can't remember. There's at least four. I almost thought there might have been five, but I think it's, I think it's five, four. including the Joker. I think it's five total. So yeah, I think, I think, it's think four I think that's clowns. Right. So they're probably all a little bit less points wrapped individually, but there's a lot of I said there's a lot of guns on them. So there's gonna yeah, be a lot I think of, like every single one has a gun. So there'd be a lot of funding cost there, but then you, um, I, I, I would be very surprised if those three or those four do or that that box of five plus Harvey Dent just magically hits about that three hundred and fifty <laughs> or at two face hits just right around that magic three hundred and fifty rep for a. For playing games, so that you can recapture some of that iconic movie feel with your Batman miniatures, and that's super exciting, and that makes me super excited to get that two-player starter to be able to bring that to the table to run mm-hmm. demos with, to be able to bring Heath Ledger Joker and run and see how that balances with the two, with the with the Christian Bale stuff from the two-player starter, and see if maybe I can mix and match that a little bit for some really cool intros to this this game and get people excited about it because they'll be able to start playing with things that they can remember they can recognize right off the right off from film and movies not just seeing the comic stuff yep yeah that's awesome for getting new people into the game for sure 
All right, so we've talked a whole lot about Batman. Let's jump topics to our main topic for the show because that almost felt like a main topic all by itself. <laughs> you just tell how excited we are about that game. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about our three keys to starting getting into miniature hobby that people should know. So let's start with our probably our least important one that we had but wasn't made our top three. So at number three. Yeah, I feel like all mine are probably ranked pretty close. My, I probably started at the top when I thought of this list, and I'm kind of rethinking it every time I look at it. Um, my third point was uh, kind of community and players, I think, is very important to getting into the game. Um, like most, I guess when I originally way started, like I at least had whatever, maybe like three or four friends that were involved. Um, now it seems a lot easier to find like regular gaming communities uh, through the web or through all the, I guess, where you have quite the plethora of local game stores here with a lot of gaming groups. But that makes it a lot easier to find people to play with. And I think you really need that base to actually be able to play a game. I mean, mostly you're not playing by yourself. so And having more than one person to play with, I think, is kind of really good if you plan to have any longevity out of it. Um, so yeah, whether it's a group of friends or a whole community, like you have people to play with, you have people to like inspire and hobby together. It's always funner, more fun doing stuff as a group. Um, I guess if you're solely into it for a hobby or something or just painting, I guess I see that as maybe not even being as focused on one game when you're doing that stuff. But if you actually want to play, I think it's really important to make sure there's a group for you to actually play with there. Like if you're the only one starting out with it. I feel like that'd be kind of rough and discouraging if you're just starting into it and trying to get like new people you don't even know involved in it and stuff like that. Totally right. I'm going to save my comments on this one because this might actually show up on my <laughs> list at a little bit higher in my uh, uh, things that I thought was important, but uh, uh, definitely a very, very important point. So for me, my number three is time investment. So one of the things that I think people underestimate when they get into miniatures is the amount of time you're going to be spending not actually playing games. Now there are some games out there that are making it easier to get that initial entry to getting models from you bought a box of models to the table. Games like uh, The Song of Ice and Fire the, the games like Guild Ball, where the models are coming pre-assembled and you basically just open the box and you can start playing with it. Maybe themes are color-coded, whatnot. So you don't even have to, you don't have to give bottles of glue out. You don't. There's no assembly required, and so that does help the speed of being able to go and play games. Uh, but in most cases, like if you're looking at, say, Games Workshop games where you have complex models to build, or uh, we just got done talking about Batman miniatures where you have to, at least for the most part, glue, there's some gluing and assembly required to put models on bases before you can get playing. Uh, these kind of games are more traditional miniatures games, bolt action, uh, the historicals, there's all these things you have to build and assemble just before you even get to play, before you're putting the models on the table and you get to play a game. That time investment coupled with hobby and painting. There's so many people that I know that have said, hey, I'm going to jump into miniatures and then quickly find out 
Oh goodness, this is way too much <laughs> to paint or hobby, and so they do. You know, they never get to it, and they don't get that full miniatures experience of getting the stuff painted and hobbied and played with, and, and then still find time to play games. So let's talk. Let's face it. Even playing a game with miniatures, you're usually looking at a two to three hour time investment for most of the common games that are out there. Sure, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, there are some games out there that are also looking at reducing that. Games like Guild Ball, games like uh, Song of Ice and Fire tend to shrink that time into something a little more manageable, but still, it's definitely something to keep in mind. And so I want to, you know, that's time is a big thing to consider when you're getting into miniatures and which miniature game that you select. Definitely selecting a miniatures game uh, like Batman Miniatures is from a time perspective. It might be better for you, or Malifaux, or, or a game like that, where you're looking at models of five, six, maybe eight or ten models to play the game, get built, assembled, and out of the table, and or painted up, because that's going to become more manageable with the amount mm-hmm. of time that you have outside of your gaming time to be able to get accomplished. Whereas if you're the person that's got tons of time, maybe the world's an oyster and you you don't have a job because... You're buying minis. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, you're, you're buying minis and you have enough money to, to do that. You can, you know, maybe the uh, uh, Games Workshop game or a, or a bolt action game or, or something like that where you need, wait, bolt action where you need, so I'm playing, oh yeah, I'm going to play Soviets and I need 70 mo- infantry models built, painted, and assembled. Well, okay, that's a lot more time investment than having to paint up. Uh, a six crew, a six model Batman crew, right, or a six uh, six model Malifaux crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of like kind of more board game ones that GW has pumped out recently too. I don't, I haven't really been up on it, but all like the Underworld and whatever those 40k kind of the, the board game skirmish level things, kind of a really light miniatures game, and I mean there's less than ten models in all those games. I think yeah, like Warhammer Underworlds, I think is like that. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know enough about what's the yeah. going on with the game work, Games Workshop games anymore to really know. But yeah, I think they've definitely targeted some of that. With the, f- it's a little bit. You have to be cautious on some of the games for the 40k side where there's small model counts because almost always it's a huge terrain volume oh, for man. those games. Um, so all of a sudden you're like, well, I didn't have to build and paint very many models, but if my game store that I'm going to go play this game at doesn't have terrain to support what I'm playing, now all of a sudden I've got a huge hobby and time mm-hmm. sink to maybe get that portion caught up. Which, you know, sometimes you know there are people that game and they're like they're much more orientated towards the terrain aspect, and so that's really cool for them for their ta- time and hobby. But everybody's got a finite amount of time. That's the important part I want to try to get across here. Mm-hmm. Right, number two. Well, my last two, um, starting with the second one, I feel like they could probably be almost melded together or ranked, but my second one, I kind of picked out the the actual, I don't remember how I described it, um, the gameplay or and like kind of the mechanics of the game. I mean, you actually have to like the game that you're playing, and I feel like the kind of the level of play kind of varies between a lot of different games like for how competitive or like how um kind of more pick up and play and have fun versus like a really high structured lots of rules kind of setting goes so i think you kind of have to find your medium you want to play in there because even if you might think the aesthetic of the game is really awesome and it looks really cool but 
you might just not like the gameplay at all. And I think that's real important. I totally agree with that. I, and I hadn't thought about that one when I was putting together my list, but it, I don't know if that would have made it into my top three, but that's definitely an honorable mention, I think, for me. Yeah, it's probably kind of a whatever, a common sense kind of rule. I mean, if you're not going to like playing the game, but I guess that can be the same thing. Oh, I did kind of link this to like playing a demo. So like if you buy all, like, oh, Batman's awesome and you buy all this Batman stuff and then like, oh, I don't really like how this plays or something after you actually play a game of it and you have all this stuff, like that doesn't really aid you to getting into said game. Same with like Star Wars or something. I like Star Wars a lot, but then you actually play it and like, I don't know, there's something well, about it. You just don't like it. Yeah, and well, as an example, you did you demoed Legion at Ad- at Adepticon yep. last year. Basically, walked away from that, going, "Eh, I don't really like the way this plays." Yeah, it's kept me from buying and, anything of it, and, so I haven't and, tried to remedy yeah. that. But so, <laughs> definitely, definitely, those kind of things can play into the consideration of what you're choosing for a game, and kind of expand on that idea a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the culture and community around that game. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at it because. Bit. Maybe you're coming from playing Magic the Gathering and you love the way Magic the Gathering tournaments play because they're, you know, you go, you know, you're going for the throat, you're, it's your, your best deck build and your, what you draw and how you can outthink and help play your opponent. And that part of gaming really, really digs you. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe when you're jumping into miniatures, going, you know, picking a game that has that same kind of competitive element at tournaments where maybe, maybe they're using chess clock timers to time rounds. Yeah. And, things like that that for me are very you know i don't want that so that's a for me if there's a game that has used that's talking about using chess clocks mm-hmm. for timers i'm like eh, i'm more casual in the way i play games i don't want that but maybe for you that's something that's important to you that you want that more competitive um uh, tournament scene or maybe you want more organized play or where maybe picking a game like Fantasy Flight Star Wars Legion is mm-hmm. great because they have a great organized play system that goes behind it. Or maybe maybe you're uh, you know, another one of any of the games workshop games, you know, forty K or or Age of Sigmar are really good choices for a lot of beginning war gamers because there's usually a, a large local community that's playing at you know, that's playing and, and active at the store as well, which leads into my number two which is uh your number three which is community all right so for me one of the big things that i want to point out and consider is while i was super excited about talking about batman miniatures and and that we're just starting to get this community going and hoping that other people are jumping in it is something that uh, I'm having to actively go out and build a community and help try to talk people into it. Same, you know, Brian's help, helping with, with building and growing that community and getting it going. And we're both super excited about the game, so that helps. But we've got a lot of miniature wargaming experience behind us. If you go out and you know, miniature wargaming, the startup cost is not cheap, whether you're, you know, just even just looking at buying models. You turn around and buy your models and then... Maybe you start with, like, when I started in Warhammer, it was me and a group of buddies that I convinced into playing this game with me. They were all people that were playing Dungeons & Dragons and stuff for the most part. And so it was pretty easy to get them to jump into Warhammer, and it was a lot less expensive back then, let's be honest. Yeah. They all eventually moved off. And then what I was stuck with and what I had had never thought about was 
that there was nobody else really locally for me or a local game store where people were playing. There was not a local community. I didn't even really realize this idea of there could be a greater community out there of people playing it until I ran into people playing it at Gen Con, which happened to be in Milwaukee and was the last Gen Con in Milwaukee, so I got lucky there. And I saw them running a tournament at Gen Con, and they went, oh, there's a bigger community out there. How do I get a hold of these people? How do I get a hold of tournaments? Wow, there are tournaments. <laughs> and, of course, you know, we're talking you know, back, because I've been doing this for a long time, we're talking really at the early days of the Internet, so forums and message boards and things like that were were kind of new and weren't really out there a whole lot. Same with, like, online stores. That wasn't really a thing. Yeah, so so it was a different day and age for getting into that. But it's important now as you research, before you buy your first model, that you at least you're going to have a conversation with a game store owner or do a little research online and see what the community around that game is going to be like and make sure that even if you're going to be like, hey, I'm going to play this game in the basement with my buddies, well, maybe you don't want to play in the game store, but maybe a couple of your buddies want to play in the game store or would like to have that experience as well, and that'll help uh, everyone that's getting involved because if they somebody, somebody moves or whatever, they can keep playing and they know where to find more players. Yeah, I don't think I hit it when I was talking about it in my number three, but I feel like having a local game store support is really important to trying to grow any game. Like if they can stock it in the store or at minimum, just be able to buy it there. I think that goes a long way, but actually having it like on hand, I think really helps when you're trying to get new people involved. And then that gives you a public place to play where, you know, somebody who just came in there goes like, sees it and Oh, Hey, this is cool kind of thing. It's just, kind of another leg in for growing that community oh totally i don't think i could get batman miniatures going uh if i didn't have and i had tried mm-hmm. uh before with pegasus games and you know i'm really thankful that pegasus let me run demos at the store to try to get interest but since they didn't stock it nobody was thinking about oh hey hey we're gonna run a demo for this as somebody was maybe buying product or whatever mm-hmm and so the promotion wasn't quite as much on top of the fact that okay you'd run a demo and a couple of people would play it in the demo and then you'd be and they would be like okay so where can i get it from and we'd be like well you can order from pegasus but uh, they may or may not be able to get things based on if their distributor has it or you can go order it online and i hate telling you to order online while i'm here trying to run this demo at their store mm-hmm. and now noble knight i'm like i ran a demo and i got people to buy it. i mean people bought product yeah, people the day bought i ran, that ran the demo <laughs> was really which cool. was really cool and yeah. it helps you feel much better about the demo you just ran mm-hmm. which helps build that community so it's all it all just follows a nice cycle of of positiveness. Yeah, I think it's really important to get that first hit too, to put it <laughs> kind of a yeah. silly way. Yeah, you it's get, like you get all excited and it's like, oh yeah, I want to get this stuff, and like if that has any time to wane on you know, a little bit, like it could slip away. And I don't know, I like I guess quick gratification kind of thing, and being able to buy it locally just I don't know means a lot to me a little bit. I mean, you can order anything online if you want, but. It's really be cool just to go get your hands on it, like right then and there. It, it is, and, and you, and not only get your hands on the product, but get your hands on the product. Get that person that's demoed the game into it. They got their hands on product. They go home. They're excited. They build it, and now you fun- funnel that into a game night, or 
you don't even have to be running demos. You're at game night, and somebody walks up and sees you actually playing it, and then you're like, hey, I play it here. It's also sold right over there. Mm-hmm. I actually had that. I think we played a Batman game at Misty Mountain, actually. Yep. Uh, I think you, me, and Matt, uh, or you, Matt, and I, uh, played <laughs> played a game at Misty, and we had a couple of people walk over and like, oh, what is this? What are you playing? And we're like, well, we're playing Batman Miniatures, and then they're like, where do I get it? And it's like, well, you have to order it online. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, okay. And they would walk away. There was like, okay, well, there's, no, I can't buy it here. Yeah, I can't. Check like it all out. of a sudden, I lost that excitement, right? Whereas I've played Star Wars Legion at Misty, and I'm like, oh yeah, and by the way, this the product's right over there. And while that person might not have went, oh hey, I'm gonna go buy product right now, they definitely. It helped, helped. Definitely, you could see the interest factor different in their faces For the way sure. they handled it. So, yes, community. My my number two was community. By the way, <laughs> not a <laughs> availability of product, yeah. but that is definitely an honorable mention. Yeah, the the game stores definitely are more to support stuff they have like easily available and on hand and everything. Like, unfortunately, it has happened where people have like turned people off of games like that they don't really stock and stuff like that, but. Definitely. I definitely saw that when I ran yeah. demos at Pegasus, that people would demo it. They would ask two questions at when we were done with the demo. Where can I buy it, and how often do you guys play here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, even getting the play space in the store. Like, we got – well, I was playing Bolt Action, and just, like, I mean, nobody is buying it there. So if some other game that they do sell and are seeing, like, profit or product moving, like, they're a lot more willing to give the space to them than – something they're not seeing any return on retail space costs money and if they aren't committed to stocking it and selling it and don't have a good product um with uh in a particular store that i know you're mentioning you know they didn't they not only did they they had maybe had a couple of things on the shelf but it wasn't like they had enough product on the shelf that the people that were playing there regularly would be like oh hey i'm gonna make a spontaneous purchase tonight because mm-hmm. it's in, i'm in the store and it's on the shelf uh, and new people, they didn't have the right product because they didn't understand the product line uh, for new people getting into the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a, you know, there's definitely some of that too. So those are kind of the key things to watch for as you're choosing your game yeah. as well as making sure that community and the store supporting that community are totally committed or are committed to that with both product available for sales as well as um, as well as people playing at the store. Even if you're not going to be one of those people playing yeah. at the store, I like to pay, pay where I play too. Probably <laughs> was probably the last thing they can say about it too. But I mean, I only really like to buy stuff, you know, for the games I'm actively playing. So I like to pay where I play and kind of try and give something back to the store when I'm in their space all the time playing their game. So yeah. it's really good if you're, you know, there for your game night to be able to walk out with something that you want oh, it's on def- that night and be definitely like, true. yeah, I was here like we bought this like you know they're getting some out of it i mean i play legion almost exclusively at at misty mountain and i buy all of my legion at misty mountain games because that's where i play Mm -hmm. i i buy all of my lord of the ring stuff at misty mountain if i can get it if i if i can get the product that i want there so i can play the middle earth strategy battle game uh well i guess i haven't played since the new (laughs) edition came out but i'm trying to get my rohan ready to go um, but because that's where I'm going to play. Whereas 
my Batman purchases are coming from Noble Knight. Maybe some, you know, I toss my board game purchases at both stores. Mm-hmm. But, you know, kind of a mix of, you know, I'm buying things, and I intentionally do my shopping a little bit based around where am I playing that game. Yep. Okay, let's talk number one. Number one. All right, so this is the big one. This the For me, this is the big one, and that's going to be hidden costs. So what we're talking about with hidden costs are all the, the little things. You, you go out and you buy your box of models. Maybe it was... $50 US or $35 US or whatever to buy that first box or maybe $100 or you bought that two-player starter and it was 100 or $150 or whatever for your two-player starter. Okay. Yay. Now me and my buddy are going to get into the game. You open up the box and you're like, oh, I got to build things. <laughs> I don't have tools. I don't have a hobby knife. I don't have super glue. I don't have plastic glue. Oh, wait. I got to paint things. I don't have paint brushes. I don't have paints. I don't have... Uh, a number of these other products or things that I mm-hmm. need to go along with it. Oh, maybe I bought resin models and I need... Okay, resin, you're probably okay because probably every, everybody should have dish soap available to them. <laughs> but, I mean, the day and age of dishwashers, maybe not everybody's buying liquid dish soap in their houses. I don't know. You can probably use hand soap or whatever <laughs> but uh, to, to wash your models. But there's a lot of hidden expenses to miniature gaming that I think new players don't think about when they're buying their first box of models. Yeah. Terrain definitely jumps in there too. When Terrain, you a table full to actually play on. Um, markers, tokens, various tape measures, various other bits and bobs. Dice templates. Dice templates. Yeah. Oh yeah, they just, it just goes on. <laughs> it just adds up, and all of a sudden, which, which I think you find is, you're like, okay, well, I spent a hundred dollars on my or fifty dollars. Let's let's say like you ju- you just bought one pack of like one box set or one pack that basically was enough to give you a chance to to push some models around on the table and you're like wait a minute I don't have all of this other stuff mm-hmm. and now I got in order to do it I've got to have this stuff and that stuff and and all of a sudden I'm like oh well my fifty dollar investment in miniatures I've just spent another fifty dollars just to get those miniatures built, painted, assembled, and have the various and, and just have the bare bones minimum basic stuff to be able to put the models on the table in a in a complete state. And so that's something that's very hidden. Yeah, I think we as being miniatures gamers for ages now kind of forget about like that initial buy in. I mean we've had tools and glue and like we just kind of have all that stuff on hand already you don't really think about it when you're jumping into a new oh, game definitely. so i probably have at this point i think i have a hundred different colors on my on my paint table right now just different shades if you figure four dollars a pot for every single one of those that's like four hundred dollars in paint mm-hmm. i've got like three or four exacto knives two or three pin vices (laughs) bins for storing bits and bobs by the time you're done throwing in all those little extra things that i've accumulated over the years stands for my paints so i can see my paints easily wet palette brushes airbrush (laughs) airbrush all your cutting board basing materials oh yeah it just keeps going on and on you just feel like wow (laughs) it's ridiculous it's it's kind of crazy how much extra you can really spend to support the miniatures hobby and i think for me i think it's an investment well spent i also think there's ways that you can mitigate and control some of those costs 
I've actually started writing a blog series about getting started because this is like the I kind of got inspired because somebody at Star Wars Legion recently uh, come in and was very new to miniatures wargaming and never done miniatures wargaming before and was asking these questions and it was specific to like what kind of tools do I need what kind of hobby supplies do I need what kind of basing materials I need and I and I was like oh I'm like I'm like not only not only we're in the hobby golden land of of days where you have multiple paint ranges and multiple paint brushes and so many tutorials out there for like how to paint and whatnot that I think it's very easy as a beginner to get started but at the same time it's very intimidating because you don't have any real idea what product you should get started with and there's a lot of like uh, you know kind of nice like getting started paint kits and whatnot but you're like okay i bought that getting started paint kit and the brushes in there are kind of garbage and (laughs) maybe i didn't need blue because that wasn't part of my color scheme so really you know is, is that getting started the best way for me to get started or not and so i'm trying to write up some some blog posts and put them out there to help as a getting started series to help people that are getting started with miniature wargaming get started. Yeah, that's where some of those pre-assembled models and color-coded ones and all that kind of take that edge off a little bit for some of those different games. Oh, yeah. I mean, X-Wing has got to be super attractive for a lot yeah. of people that are on on a short time budget because models come pre-assembled, pre-painted. You just got to punch out some card and yeah, you're you good put to your go ships on, on the that. table. And it plays in a relatively quick amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I guess jumping into my number one, which I think can probably be paired with my number two quite well, and I've mentioned it already, but that was kind of aesthetic and theme of the game. I thought was like, I don't know, maybe I approached it a little different, but I think that's very important to like what you get out of it. Um, I mean, I don't know like if Batman was a different theme, like if I would be playing it, but just solely based on the gameplay wise, like I just really like the Batman theme, so I think it's really cool having Batman and all these other villains and notable characters on the table and being able to I like I like that the game plays out and kinda, you know, whatever kinda realistically to how I think that battle would go down and stuff, but I think the main attraction to that game for me is just that it's Hey, it's Batman. <laughs> so. I, I mean, that was when I picked Batman and in the Marvel Universe uh, game before. It was strictly off of aesthetic. I'm like, hey, mm. remember? I think you probably remember me saying I bought these Marvel uh, Marvel universe, universe miniatures from Night Models, and I'm like, I don't care if I ever play this game. I just they love just the aesthetic cool. of owning yep. like, hey, that's Captain America. Hey, there's Wolverine. I, I've got colossus and cyclops at least really cool models that are just look awesome just sitting there as inspiration on my mm-hmm. like hey i painted them off they look cool i've never played a game with them same thing with batman so at least i have the, that awesome aesthetic mm-hmm. about the game that i'm super excited about yeah. legion has me a little bit like that too i just i mean i've had plenty of other stuff to do but even just having the star <laughs> wars models sitting on the on the shelf or whatever would look really cool but I mean, I kind of shied away from that because it didn't fit into my number two when I tried it out. But on the opposite side of that, um, as far as bolt action goes, like I wasn't really interested in playing a historical or um, a World War II game or anything for that matter. But just how the gameplay, like I was kind of interested in a shooty game and how the whole order dice mechanic and everything played out in that. I thought it played really well, simple and smooth kind of. 
now I'm into World War II stuff, looking up, you know, all the different units and everything to fit into my forces and all that. So that's why I kind of like almost meld my one and two together a little bit as far as where your interest lies and actually sticking with the game. I think, I think though, for a first miniatures mm -hmm. game, I think you're probably, I think you evaluated it probably right Mm -hmm. because there's, there's nothing worse than, especially as you're learning the hobby and learning to paint to start with, than having models that you're not inspired to paint, right? I mean, sure, okay, Brian, you're kind of the exception of the rule a little bit because your first real models you painted were (laughs) bolt action. I know you got you you got your toes wet with some Warhammer stuff. Yeah, I was finally getting. You got some ghouls done, and Mm -hmm. did you get anything else ever done? Well, I did the (laughs) ghouls and some Tomb King archers, and I mean that original model I did was Tomb King, and then I did barely touch on war machine stuff a little bit ah but and i mean i guess there was that space marine when you demoed bolt action the first time that weekend but <laughs> yeah that was just a quick paint thing buzz light year for fun or whatever but i guess i have um noticed this point as well um coming from warhammer fantasy and then um going into age of sigmar like yeah it's still loosely based on the same stuff but just the aesthetic of those models like it just isn't there for me anymore and that kind of wanes my interest in that game like mostly is just like the look of them like i think i can still handle playing it and stuff but i'm just like not into so many of those models they've been putting out and the same way like i've avoided infinity a little bit and um what else like guild ball and malifaux i just i don't know i just don't like the aesthetic of the models so i just like don't even want to try out the game yeah, you know, that's definitely that's definitely a big factor. So I can say for Legion, you probably want to hang on to it a little while before you get in. And I say that because we saw our first real sprues in, you know, real actual miniature sprues, not the board game quality plastics, in the new starter for the Clone Wars that's going to be coming out at some point in Q3 this year. There are rumors that they're actually going to go back and re-release the Stormtrooper kits. Oh, really? And the Rebel Trooper kits as a multi-part plastic kit. It would be kind of cool for those base models because, I mean, you need a few units of them and you essentially get like five poses or something, don't you? Uh, There's a little bit of limit in poses. I think every model is unique in the kit. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you do get a unit by itself is unique with every model in the unit, but then your next unit is identical and yep. your next unit. Now, that's probably a little more acceptable in the Stormtroopers, but not so acceptable maybe in the Rebel Troopers yeah. where you see more faces and other things like that. So being able to maybe swap heads or have a few more head options included in the kit would be really cool because it would give you a little more customization and variability. I always like posing my models different too. I mean, it just adds for a little dynamic look on the yeah. table. Yeah, in that, in that, and there's a little bit of that currently, but a lot of times you have to really up your modeling skill to be able to adjust those models mm-hmm. uh, because the arms are really fixed, quite fixed. I mean, it makes it really easy. It's very accessible for new players to be able to get their models together and be able to put them on the table, but it's there's some definite downfalls. So expect the expect the quality of models to go up as well because the the they'll be using a different type of plastic. And those uh, multi-part kits will be easier to 
um, focus and make sure that you get sharper detail in the plastic, which is going to be, uh, I think it's, I think, I think from a miniature war game perspective is going to be nothing but awesome for the game. Maybe not quite as good for people that are just getting into it and going, Ooh, star Wars, let me put buy this and put it, you know, get those models at time from model to table or from purchase to table is going to uh, slow down for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the aesthetic of games definitely, you know, I can see, differences and just the way some of the games that we've both bought miniatures over the last few years especially as we got as warhammer became less important for us as the game died and other games we started looking for other games like i've gotten you know i bought infinity and i bought malifaux now i'll say like malifaux there are definitely factions that i have no interest in owning because the aesthetic to those factions just doesn't do it for me there's definitely uh, factions in malifaux that I'm super excited about and I like a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and so I focused my, what I bought and owned around that, but yeah, age of Sigmar is definitely a game that has, uh, with the introduction of the storm cast and then no self-respecting dwarf would ever be in a flying machine. <laughs> so the, whatever overlords, they're just wrong. And like, that was like, that was like <laughs> the dagger that there is your dagger. Your beard's um, too long for that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, give me some proper dwarves with my bolt throwers and and organ guns on the table, and mm-hmm. I'd have been ecstatic. And I'd probably, I probably, to, I probably wouldn't bought all in. But the fact that the like completely changed the aesthetic, and and I know that people, I mean, when a lot those of people came, rave about it and love it, so. love it, like more no, power to no them. banging on them. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that your opinion is right or wrong you're more than happy to enjoy the hobby the way you enjoy it it's but your point being right is that choose something for your first option for your first game that you're you're into the aesthetic for because you it's going to make the game more fun right Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's just going to keep your interest like i feel like my point kind of maybe put the chicken before the egg or whichever way it would go. <laughs> just because, I mean, you probably wouldn't be looking at a miniature game if you didn't already, if it didn't already appeal to you in that way. But, I mean, it's just something to think about, I guess, and that's why it kind of paired into my gameplay, just for evaluating what you want from when you start. So, I bet you there are people that get into miniature wargaming, though, based on uh, because a buddy is playing the game. Or that's true. Or, or or their buddy talked him into it, and so then they buy into like, okay, I'll buy some 40k because you're playing it, and or I'll buy some Age of Sigmar or whatever. Same with just whatever like the game is, whatever the local group is playing and stuff like that. Yeah. can just and then be enticed that way. And then they get it and they bring it home and they and they get frustrated with painting it because maybe there's large surface areas that they just they don't they you can't just dry brush easily or something like that. Uh, and next thing you know, it's I'm frustrated with painting, and I don't like painting. Well, really, it wasn't that you're you don't like painting, or that you're frustrated with painting. It's that you didn't like what you were painting, and it mm-hmm. didn't, and it wasn't easy to paint, and you didn't feel inspired to paint it. Yep. So all of those can play factors. So that's our top three. Uh, we'll do some more. I think we're going to do some more of this style of of show where we do like top three lists. I think the the format and time that we have for recording fits about right for top threes. So 
If you got any ideas for top three lists we'd like us to break down and, and give our opinion on, please feel free to email us at um, our various contact lists. I think it's hosts at WiscoDice.com or uh, uh, post to our, any of our social media outlets, and we'd love to hear that and and uh, do some do some other lists in the future. I think that's going to be it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Makes you think. Yeah, definitely, definitely made me think can, a little bit as it was yeah. kind of going. Oh, let's do this top list thing. We can probably do some runners up and runner ups and stuff like that too a little more. I think this <laughs> one kind of worked out. Like, I know cost and stuff was kind of in my mind as I like. Oh, I kind of hit my first three that came to mind, but then that was like another one. I'm like, oh, like do I rechange these? But then when I talked to you about it and you had that in one of yours, like I'm like, okay, it works out. It, it'll get covered. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, let's jump into our final topic for today, and that's uh, a song of ice and fire, uh, the miniatures war, ga- the miniature war game for what is more popularly known as a Game of Thrones. Uh, the game is put out by uh, Cool Mini or Not, I believe, is the official distributor and printer of the game. Um, so there are four factions in this game. Uh, the starter set, the two-player starter, does feature. The Starks and Lannisters. Uh, the mo- the models for this game are all uh, I would call board game quality plastic in a pre-assembled fashion. So I will say board game quality plastic does mean a fairly well detailed model, but not on the same squ- scale of quality and detail that you might expect from a Games Workshop or Night Models or Malifaux type model. Uh, uh, so good models but not like oh my goodness great models price point for the game the two player starter is at a redonkulous price in, for, in my point for getting into a miniature war game in fact I would I would put that price tag at $150 US is really pretty intimidating uh, to get mm. into in, to get into a game that being said um they do have faction starters for the other two factions in the game. Uh, those factions being uh, the Night's Watch and uh, the Free Folk. And those faction starters are a little more reasonable uh, if you're just looking at picking up a faction. And you can find the two-player starter for probably uh, online through like eBay, particularly since they gave it away a bunch for VIGs at Adepticon, <laughs> which is how I got mine, uh, for... Uh, uh, about a hundred dollars, I think I was seeing on eBay. So um, discount there. You can see them discounted down a bit. Units are actually, from a retail perspective, a little uh, are far more reasonable at like that thirty to forty dollar range for twelve figures. All the units, other than the cavalry, cavalry are four models, but all the units are twelve models. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they change up unit sizes in the future for for units, but. Um, right now that's what they are the special character boxes are kind of nice they're all bundled so that it's like five-ish models you usually get in a character box so it's not like oh hey i I spent uh like oh i want leia for legion well i'm gonna have to spend 14 dollars just for leia no i get a whole character box of like five models uh with five different characters uh, for you know the same price it cost a unit. So yeah, sure you're like, oh, I didn't get nearly as much plastic as I did for that unit, but you're only ever going to buy that character box once, where you buy might buy that unit a couple of times, uh, like you do in most uh, war games. So 
you know, from a price point, it's not it's not any worse than any other mass combat game. And so Suzanne, Suzanne and I picked up the box or took the starter box and and played it uh, just right out of the box. It took us about an hour to figure out the rules. Uh, about forty five minutes or so, I probably really to to look at the rules in the starter box, didn't watch a video or anything on how to play this thing, just read the rules, and we started pushing models around on the kitchen table. Um, no terrain, no anything, just pushing them around to like make sure we understood how combat works and how um, it's got this really cool concept that makes it different than other mass combat miniatures games because it has this like sideboard where you have non-combat units that basically... It, it you uh, well the game works. I activate a unit and then you activate a unit and then I activate a unit and you activate a unit and then whoever's the first player from last round changes hands so that it's if I went first in the first round you're the first player in the second round for activating units rather than having some kind of dynamic or random selection for that which works. And then you have a, this board where there's five action spaces, which makes that's a it makes some tactical list building decisions for you because those those five actions are basically where you can take these non combat units and place them on this board as your action instead of activating a unit on the table to allow a unit to attack for free or to make a unit force a unit to make a morale check at a minus two or to get a free movement, a um, free maneuver action, or various things, or get some extra ca- uh, cards for your hand, because you have a hand of cards that also play with through the turn, and a, and a deck of cards as well. So there's a bunch of board game mechanics that factor into this war game. It feels like are those like set actions that you always have available, or is it based on the whatever the model or unit that you choose? The, there's five action spaces that are set. And then almost all of the NCUs have some kind of written text action on their card that either goes into play when they are activated or is a once-per-game ability or is uh, when they're activated, they get they can use this ability, but they have on, they only have so many, like say, charges on it, so they can only use it maybe twice in the game or something. Okay. As an example, like Cersei Lannister's ability is... Is she's a non-combat unit, which gives you a great chance to also, I should say, it gives you a great chance to include some of these characters that you would never see on a battlefield in Game of Thrones, like yeah, Cersei. A good way to do it, Cersei or uh, Sansa Stark, or a couple of them that come in the two-player starter that are you would never see these characters on the battlefield, but are iconic figures in Game of Thrones, and you would feel like should have should be making power plays in the game. So, like, Cersei's ability now is you place her on the the wherever action space, and then you take her card, and it actually gets attached to an enemy unit. Hmm. And that enemy unit is now at, like, a minus one morale uh, for every time they have to make a morale check. Well, now uh, it just works out very nicely that the, the crown action space on the board is a minus... They have to, the unit has to make a morale check at, like, a minus two. Well, you couple that with Cersei's card, or maybe I'm getting the minuses backwards. It's been a been a couple of weeks since I played, but uh, the morale check all of a sudden with Cersei ends up being like a minus three morale check on a unit, which is pretty harsh as a penalty when you're rolling on two d six. Hmm. Um, as, 
far as uh, the, the rest of the game, it's got like a... So you have a deck of cards, and you draw up... You, you have basically up to a hand of three, and you can exceed that hand limit, but you only ever get to draw up at the end of the round two up to three, and you can discard at the end of the round. You are limited to the deck you have, and the deck is built off of 14 cards. I think it's 14 cards that are standard for your faction. So if you're playing Lannisters, you get the 14 Lannister cards, the base Lannister cards, and then six additional cards for whoever, I think it's six anyways, for whoever you choose as your commander for your force. And your commander is always a free model. So, like, if I choose, again, if I'm playing my Lannisters, and I play Lannisters in this game, uh, if I play my Lannisters and I want Jamie Lannister to be my commander, then I get Jamie's I get Jamie's model who he can then get attached to a unit. You can't characters can't run around on their own. With ex- with a couple of exceptions. They have to join to when you, you put them in units. They can't leave units. They're in that unit for the game. They're basically attached to that unit unless they have a special rule that lets them leave. And so like, okay, well I you I've got Jamie, now I'm going to have to put him in one of my units, so I attach him to his unit. He's basically a unit upgrade at that point. Um, but I also get, since he was my commander, I get his special commander cards, which get added to my deck. And that that unit upgrade, Jamie's upgrade, costs basically free. It was free. Other unit upgrades, like you can still buy extra characters, like maybe a Captain of the Guard, or maybe some of the other named characters from the, from the books and add them into your force, those all all cost points. Mm -hmm. And the points for the game are basically either 30, 40, or 50. So the starter set comes with about 30, the two-player starter is about 35 points in units and army. And you can, you know, obviously add units and build from there. And what the game recommends is 30, 40, and 50. And then they have, uh, uh, for points, and they have a number of different scenarios that come with the core rules and the core books, so lots of different ways to play the game. Uh, different ways to do very interesting I haven't played a siege game yet but it has a very interesting way to like you have walls and you basically can do damage to the walls and eventually you do enough damage to the wall it collapses now you can go through it so um, they have a lot of card terrain that's it's not traditional terrain it's just flat pieces you put on the board that represent terrain uh, they did if you back the kickstarter you could actually have gotten 3d versions of that those terrain pieces but um I honestly, as much as I don't like flat terrain, um, I think the, from a gameplay perspective, it works very well. Because uh, I assume you'd be moving across it and stuff and throwing your tray of models would probably be kind of hard on the terrain, or is it, it is. mostly stuff you're working around? No, you, it, unlike Warhammer, like with, like with, like Warhammer Fantasy 5th and 6th and even 7th edition, where terrain was like, oh, hey, there's a forest. Well, you just watch everybody other than the Wood Elves avoid the forest. <laughs> like you know, these big ranked units would just never go in the forest, which is um, reasonable. Yeah. In this, you're you're definitely moving units through it, and the game, unless you're playing fifty points, pretty much plays on a four by four okay. instead of a four by six. So it's a it's not a huge table. There's usually like four pieces of terrain on the table, um, but like one of the missions, you can pump out piles of corpses pretty easily. Um, which is a lot more terrain at that point. Uh, <laughs> the terrain is generally it's there. 
it does some stuff. Maybe it slows down units or it affects morale for in the case of piles of corpses or <laughs> a couple of other things. Like walls and barricades can pr- provide some cover. Shooting ranges aren't very long. Like 12 inches is your max range for shooting things, hmm. which sounds like a really short distance when units are moving like five or six inches at a move uh, and, and or adding a D6 extra inches for charge. So, hey, I've got to move six unit with D6 inches of a charge, and it gets a free maneuver action before it gets a start because it's cavalry. Hmm. So all of a sudden you're like, hey, that unit got to move 12 inches plus a D6 on a charge, so at least 13 inches, and I can only shoot 12. How does the shooting become effective then? Yeah, exactly. That's what you would think. Well, I found, like, I've got a unit of Lannister crossbowmen, and they are, like, my money unit just about all the time. <laughs> I don't know if I want to take two units of them in a list, but they they can do some things that make them very, if you support them right with the rest of your army, can make them constantly shoot. Mm-hmm. And you can shoot into combat, too, so it's, that's kind of interesting. How does the game kind of play, then, like, I assume it's not as like stringent as Warhammer Fantasy would be with like positioning your units really precisely and all that. Is it a little more loose than that? Um, or? So movement is a little easier to handle because you always can pivot and overlap your own units as part of pivots. Uh, so that's that's all pretty free. The But positioning, you still have flanks and rears and, okay. and such. So that part is actually still really key. Okay. Um, but like once you get locked into like say you get charged by a flank, if you're only engaged by one enemy in the flank, you can when you activate that unit, you you can and choose like say the I'm gonna fight in combat. Before you fight the combat, you can make a free pivot. Okay. So yeah, I was just trying to gauge because I haven't. Well, for the listeners, I haven't actually played it. You're the only one who played it, yeah. but um, so maybe it's along the lines of War of the Ring for something I'd be familiar with ish. Uh, loosely. <laughs> Maybe it's still it's still more of a rank and file game yeah. than War of the Ring was. Okay. I think. Um and then uh units go down into fish, efficiency the more they start to lose ranks. Um so maybe a, a unit gets well, most units go down. Uh maybe the unit starts with six attacks as a unit and then goes down to five attacks when they lose a rank and maybe four attacks or three attacks when they're down to the only one rank. Yeah. Um so that plays a factor. And then I think the the bigger thing, like, I've lost models to, like, combat in that game. What What is more of a factor, and while well, I'm playing Lannisters, so maybe it's I maybe I think it's more of a factor because I'm playing Lannisters, uh, but it's morale. Morale is such a big thing. And models f- will come and go during the game. Like, oh, really? you will Like, one of the actions on that, like, non-character board is is healing a unit like you get to bring back wounds in a unit hmm. and then uh, the knight's watch and the free folk i think have particularly the knight's watch have a lot of ways to like hey i killed the unit now or i wiped out a unit well you're really not killing the unit you basically are breaking them sometimes you're killing them by casually but they're also is like dudes running away sure well those dudes are running away you're gonna force them to take the black <laughs> you know, very thematic. And so all of a sudden your unit is bolstered and heals some because you broke another enemy unit and destroyed it, right? Neat. Yeah. So, um, whereas, like, you can imagine, like, Cersei running, you know, Cersei, well, she joins a unit, then give them ne- uh, minuses to morale, 
and then maybe if she's playing the crown action, well, things are happening at King's Landing that are making the ground forces think, oh, hey, we're we're not going to beat the Lannisters because they're they've gotten all of this, you know, all of this money and reinforcements, and they're bringing in troops or whatever from from whatever this new alliance is that Cersei has made. Oh, you know, and that and that shakes the ground troops, and so they run off. That's pretty neat. So yeah, it's definitely a game of it, it, it's it's very subtle, but very it's not a very complex game to pick up and learn how to play. It's a very it's got a lot of subtle complexities that I think makes it a very good game. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense for the whatever the Game of Thrones theme rather than just you know strictly battling. Like I feel like all that kind of added mechanic sounds like a really good idea for the game. I think thematically they did a good job of adding in a lot of those those aspects and. The other thing that that's very nice is that it, it's a game like Suzanne really hasn't watched a lot of the. She's never read the books. She hasn't re- she's like season three in the TV show, mm-hmm. maybe season four now, and just hasn't gotten enough of it. So she doesn't have like that. Oh, hey, I recognize these characters, or I recognize this theme, or I recognize this from the books, and she really liked the game. So. I gotta say, I think it's a good overall game. Cool. All right. So, I think that we're gonna call it a wrap. All We've right. been talking for a while now. Yeah. All right. So, make sure you know you leave us a review on your favorite podcast place, whether that's uh, iTunes or Stitcher Smart Radio or wherever you found us. Uh, feel free to email us uh, at hosts at whiskodice.com or uh, drop us a note on any of our social media. Facebook is kind of the, the biggest place where I think we're all talking and communicating on, um, but I, I also still kind of do things with my Twitter feed. Um, or uh, just, uh, you know, if you see us at a show or, or <laughs> a con or something like that, make sure you stop by and say hi. I think our, our next... At least the next con I'm planning on being at won't be until Gen Con, but uh, I think there may be an event or two I hit. I haven't figured it out for sure what I might be hitting at this summer. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't get... I think Adepticon's the only like big one I go to, but I guess there's a lot of Batman things you're finding or that we're finding and popping up or some random bolt action things that catch my eye occasionally. Yeah, but yeah well, there's... Like what, tournaments. Muson Con, which is Memorial Day weekend... Uh, for Batman and a bunch of other games, <laughs> but I'm thinking about going to that. And there is uh, CoolieCon now, which will be after Gen Con, that's going to have a Batman tournament, which I'm almost for sure going to that one. And then Renegade, uh, which is, I think, the weekend before Thanksgiving in Minneapolis. That one I probably won't be able to go to, but will be probably the biggest Batman event, potentially bigger than Adepticon. Whoa. So, anyways, thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Peace out. Later.